I'm Andrea, one of the hosts of the Voice of San Diego podcast. Every week, I get together with the other editors at Voice and explain the news that matters in San Diego. Elections, politics, law enforcement, big investigations, and some fun stuff. The great palm tree debate, ranked choice voting, bike lane mania. It's great journalism and a lot of fun. Every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. Again, that's Voice of San Diego. You're listening to Magrito Podcast Network. Celebrating the culture of Chicanos and Latinos one story and voice at a time. Connect on social, on Instagram and Facebook at Magrito. Find all the Magrito Podcast Network shows over at magrito.net. Ladies and gentlemen, and Justin Lipford. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Emo Brown, the podcast brought to you by the wonderful people at Grasshopper for all your medicinal, recreational, cabinet, cannabis, damn, I said cabinets, cannabis needs. You know what to do, ghbuds.com, cruise down to the shop, drop your Emo Brown social club card, get 15% off, that shit don't clack, you know it's what, today, today my friend you got us a big fish man you got us the man behind the mic the voice of my youth el rey del sunday el mero mero javier the x-man jesus christ wow what, a, what an introduction oh, man jesus christ <laughs> you've been clapping hey bro i got hype real quick yeah that was nice I oh, like that, dude. You did oh, great. thank you bro. that was awesome <laughs> I'm, and i'm done hey thanks for coming by it's over yeah. <laughs> javier the x-man legitimately brother the voice of my youth man legitimately the the narrator to all the carnesadas El Rey del Sunday. There was no barbecue unless you were playing on 92.5. There was no barbecue unless you were preceding our Lebeau, setting the setting the table, creating the mood, the ambiance for the evening, the day. Shit, I fucked around and stayed up from like 12 in the afternoon listening to all these with my parents and family and cousins all the way to the end of the night, bro. It's like 9 p.m. I got to go to school, but everyone's downstairs having a good time. Yeah. And now he's here, bro. Thank you for coming in, oh, Javier. Thank you so much for inviting. I appreciate it. It's, a, it's an honor. I know you guys have been doing this podcast for some time now, and you got some great traction, and you got a lot of fans, so it's an honor to be here, to be hanging out with you guys and, and being on the podcast. So thank you. I want to learn all about you. All I right. fucked around and found out that I, by going back in the, in the catalog of episodes that we've had, I've had a lot of radio personalities, and I'm starting to realize maybe I wanted to be in radio, and I had no idea, because I'm starting to like, bring, in, <laughs> I, I bring in some of the heavy hitters, and obviously like having you on here, I got questions. But first off, where are you from? What's your origin story for Javier the X-Men? How did all this start? All right. I, I'm originally from the Central Coast, Central mm. California, Salinas, California. Mm. All right. The lettuce, lettuce capital of the world. That's where um, I grew up in. Uh, you know, uh, 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 I like to tell people um, I'm from the tierra of the Salinas Valley, uh, where, uh, you know, John Steinbeck wrote about mice and men. And mice and men, yes. All the stories that came out of that area. Um Born on a base, a Fort Ord. My dad, Filipino. My mom is Mexican, so I'm Mexapino. Mexapino. I like tacos and I like lumpia. Um, have you ever had them combined? A burrito I and have. a... I have. And they're good. <laughs> you can't get past one. <laughs> fusion. It's the... It's the uh, yeah, they started the fusion. I'm like, okay, they need to do this. Um, but yeah, so that's that's where I'm from. Um, but just a kid from the valley, from, from the Sneas Valley, from the tierra, from the dirt of the Sneas Valley. And how do you parlay that into a... A long tenured career in radio, a personality, a, a man of the community, all of the things. You know, there wasn't much to do living in a small town except the radio. Mm. So I always, my mom loves music. She listens to Rancheras. She's got her collection of Vicente Fernandez music, Ramon Ayala, Los Relámpagos del Norte. Damn, she has, Los Relámpagos, bro. She Hell has yeah. Frank Sinatra, Elvis, the Osmond, I mean, everything. And so, you know, you grew up with a household with the music. You know, you, you you learn to adapt, you know, so my, I get my my influence from my mom and she loved oldies. Um, and so, you know, growing up, you had you had, the, you had the records and you had the radio and there was a radio station called KUBO, Kubo. Kubo. It was uh, on, the, on it was a public radio station. And so I would listen to this radio station um, every chance I get. And I, of course, I listened to commercial radio. That was great to see. But this particular radio station played soul and hip-hop music all right like this is like early 80s i mean there was a dj by the name of bubba g scotch 
who laced us with all this music from New York. I don't know how he got what it. A fucking name, dog. Like, right? Name, hey, dude. Bubba G. Hey, Scotch. I'm Bubba G. Scotch, and I'm bringing you the soul and the hip hop to the Central Valley. And that's exactly how he sounded. Damn. <laughs> What's up, bro? <laughs> and so I would listen to them every Friday Friday nights. He would he would play, and uh, you know I just started getting influenced by the music he was playing. Um, the hip hop culture, b boy break. I tried to break dance when I was a kid, but when you're a gordo, you really don't have, you know. We all did, man. Right? The fat boys would say otherwise. Those guys killed it. Come on. You know, half a backspin, that was it. That's I all you need, do. bro. That's all you That's need. All you That's do. all you need. But, uh, you know, you grew up in that area. And so you get influenced from the military base because okay. you, okay. you had a lot of people with transplants. And they would bring their music into the area as well. And so you were growing up with all these people who were who were not from Salinas, who were on the army base, the kids, and you would get you would hear the music, Shalmar, the SOS band, uh, the Isley Brothers, Earth, Wind, and Fire. And you would get you know a dose of everything, and uh, you know I just fell in love with the music, and I f- I fell in love with the the hip hop movement, and I started collecting records as a kid, uh, mowing lawns, you know, paper routes, and things like that. Whatever it took. Yeah, whatever it took. To, to get $2 so I could go down to the record store and buy me the, the, the latest cassette tape or, or record. And so I just got hooked as, a, as, as like a six-year-old kid, just started collecting 45s. And uh, my mom just, you know, anything to keep us out of trouble, right? Whatever it took. Yeah, for sure. And she just, you know, my dad. Hey, you're in the it. Central Valley, man. I mean, <laughs> there's not much of anything to do, but, right. you know, either you're in a farm, you're working in the fields. Or you get into some trouble, right? So your parents had the right ideas, like let's keep these kids occupied. Let's throw let's throw some hobbies their way. Yeah, and so the the, the radio station, the DJ was just an awesome guy. And I, I later on I would always follow him. I you know see if I could hold his records, and yeah. you know he's, he had, he would have his DJ gigs at our junior high school, and I would be like standing right there watching him do his thing on the turntables. And hey, I Bubba was G, hey, Bubba G, let me carry your stuff. Right, right. It. But it, you know you realize a little later, man, that that expen- that those, that equipment is expensive. Mm. And you couldn't, you know, you can you can buy the tur- turntables or the speakers and and have all that stuff. So, what's the next best thing? Listen to the radio, hear him on his radio show, get on all the music, learn about the hip hop, uh, you know, the videotapes with all the hip hop dancing, learn all that culture, get a boombox, mm. and uh, and get the music. And that's that's Dang. what got me hooked as a kid is all all that music. And uh, you know, of course, you you grew up in the barrio, you grew up in the hood. You're going to hear every every music genre there that's out there. And uh, of course, everyone was in the oldies, you know, the, the homeboys and the homegirls had their oldies, the lowriders had their oldies. And so that was part of my upbringing as well. So, you know, I always tell people I, I'm a music lover. I don't discriminate against any type of music that I love it all. And so it, to me, just music, just the sound, uh, it, it attracts me. And so I, I love it all. I love it all. From an early age too, man. Six yeah. years of age, that's that's young to be that passionate about anything. Right. And you found music, you just opened up your mind. Yeah, just digging through those 45s, going to the record store. I mean, I can get lost. But this is a family thing. And, you, you have brothers, siblings, any? Yeah, you know. And right. everybody partook in the same. They you all know what, love no, it. You know what? I was, you know, the baby of the family, so it was a little odd. You know, uh-huh, my uh-huh. sisters had their music, and they'd listen to, uh, you know, a lot of rock, you know, mm. a lot of uh, heart. You know, a lot it's of not like Aquanet in the house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so they had their, they had their, uh, they had their sound, the sound of disco and stuff like that. And uh, um, that's part of the influence as well, growing up with the music, uh, a household full of music. And so, you you know, I was able to to take all that in and appreciate it all. When did you know? turn this passion and hobby into an actual career? What was your first step into the uh, radio world? You know, I was, uh, uh, I think I was 15 years old and a friend of mine who was working at the community radio station that I listened to with Bubba G. Sky. El Cubo. Yes, which later turned to KHDC, uh, brought to you by the California Human Development, which was a nonprofit organization that you know, that, that held these radio stations and they informed the community on what's, what was happening. Yeah. We need to start a radio station, Justin. <laughs> we, we're dropping the ball. <laughs> and so, uh, um, you know, he had said, oh, I do a radio, I do a freestyle show on, you know, a certain night, Sunday nights, I think it was. And I said, really? He's like, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta listen to it. I'm like, Jose, his name is Jose Arguin and he later became one of my mentors. Oh, nice. And he had said, yeah, just listen to it. I'm on the radio tonight. I didn't believe him. Cause he was a class clown. We were just screwing around, you know, just high school kids. He was a little older than I was, but Sunday night I tuned in. Sure enough, I hear his voice and I hear him introducing all these freestyle records. You're my diamond girl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I said, "Why?" Wow. So the next day at school, I'm like, "Dude, you weren't lying." He's like, "I told you." I'm like, "I, I want to get involved with that." And so I, I kind of knew that that uh, I wasn't going to be a DJ with equipment because I could not afford mm-hmm. the equipment. 
you know, I couldn't, you know, drop $600. I, mean, I was going to say, people don't realize how expensive this gear probably was. Right. You know, my, 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 my mom worked as a, a fruit, uh, in, 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 the, in the packing shed. Okay. And my dad was a maintenance guy at a, at a car dealership. So he, they were making a lot of money. So, you know, to ask them, can you, can you buy me this, you know, thousand dollars worth of equipment? That wasn't going to happen. I knew mm -hmm. that, but I could, I could dig in the record crates. I could, we did have a record player at home. I was able to do that. And, and make that connection with the DJ. So I had all these, these records. And so I told my friend, I, I, I want to I wanna come learn. He's like, ah, oh, you don't want to learn. He's like, yeah, I go, I want to learn. I'll do whatever it takes. All right, carry these crates. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's how it, that's how it started. Yeah. So yeah. I, he gave me the opportunity. And uh, man, I just I just ran with it, you know? And, and, and one of my first assignments was like, they had a, a wall of records. He goes, okay, I want you to alphabet them from A to Z. Oh, man. And he, and he said that, about that time, people would just kind of like fall off because everyone want to be on the radio. Everyone want to yeah, do yeah, yeah. be the one that look at me, look at me. And he goes, "This is this was my thing to say. Okay, will this guy clean toilets? Mm -hmm. Will this guy answer phones? How bad do you want it? Yeah, will he come carry crates of records? Will he will he organize this? How bad does he want it? So it was a little test. I love that. And so Good. I just said, you know what? I, this is what I wanted to do. This I love like like the thing about radio is like it's a mystery of who the DJ is back then. Now everyone's, you know, it's got video cameras in their faces in front of a microphone. I just wanted to play music and and just talk about the music. That's it. Mm. And so I had the music already that I've collected. And so he gave me that opportunity to to to, to get at the get in at the public radio station like at 16 years old. And what year was that? Gosh, man. Mid 80s? Mid 80s? Mid 80s, yeah. So you've been official professional DJ radio guy since the mid 80s at a ripe age of 15. Right, right. Cheating out, bro. I don't know if it's professional. I mean, you're on the radio. <laughs> you're you're yeah. spitting ads, probably. You're making somebody some money. Uh, but yeah, so, you know, it was one of those things where you kind of just, you know, it was just a hobby. You know, like the like my record collecting is a hobby. I don't take it seriously. It's just something fun for me to kind of uh, uh, self-expression of what I love and what I love to hear. Because I think the music is is what mesmerizes me. Um, being able to hear instruments and people uh, uh, singing or rapping or, or talking about something, uh, you know, it, it, with music is, is, I think to me, is very soothing to the soul. Like you need to hear those yeah. love stories. You need to hear those those highs and those lows. And you get that through music and all types of music. Yeah. You can hear it in country. You can mm -hmm. hear it in soul. You can hear it in it, it, whatever music's out there. You could hear those stories. And, and that to me was attracting. So getting on the radio was like, oh man, I, I'm going to be able to do this. And it was always a hobby. It was never, I never, I never said it was going to be, you know, this is going to be my career. I feel like that's the move. You I know, feel like that's the move. You got to let your passion be that light, that guiding light to take you until ultimately one day you're like, oh shit, I'm doing something I really enjoy. I'm getting paid. I could turn this into a career. What was that moment for you? When, when did that happen? Were you in San Diego when that happened? Were you in, still in, in Salinas? Were you doing college radio in San Jose? You know what? I didn't, uh, I didn't get that moment probably, um, you know, because you always, as a radio DJ, I mean, they don't last long in a market professionally. You, you get hired two years, three years, and then you got to move on. And it's, it's, it's kind of a, like nomad uh, kind of career. And uh, packing your bags, packing your right vinyl, rolling yeah. around station to station. Right, right. And so, you know, it wasn't that to me. That's a, that sounds crazy having to do that. You know, if you want to have a family, I mean, you don't you don't have that opportunity. And so, it was it was always it was always a hobby. I didn't think. I mean, still to this day, I still think I'm I'm lucky because I'm doing doing what I love as a hobby, and they're paying me for it. Imagine. And uh, um, so, I never never had that. Like, oh, this is a career. I mean, I look back when people t ask me, like, oh, you got a career. I'm like, oh, is that what they call it? <laughs> <laughs> is that what it is? Okay. But it's always, to me, it's always been a blessing. I've always been grateful and, and appreciative for all, for all of it. And, and uh, I, I think that's, uh, uh, that's the way I looked at it, just taking it in. And I've worked hard. I mean, it, it hasn't come easy. And... Uh, but I think that the, I've never really had that moment till right now. Till yeah. hey, welcome to your moment. <laughs> <laughs> Being a Chicano in, in this industry, did you face any up obstacles that you think somebody else wouldn't? What did you? Were you in the face of some discriminatory situations? Was it tough? You know what? I, it, it really, really was. Uh, because there's there's not a lot of brown voices on the radio. Um, you know, especially when it comes to uh, Chicanos or or Mexican Americans or Latinos who speak English. Uh, you know. Um, you, you, I could think of, uh, uh, you know, 
the Baker Boys. Have you mm-hmm. ever heard of those guys? Yeah. They were like one of the first, um, you know, in the new g- generation. Uh, Chewy Gomez up in Northern, Northern California. I mean, uh, Efren Sifuente. There's like uh, Sylvia Chacon. There's not really a lot. I mean, I could I could name you probably, could probably all of them. I was going to say, and, yeah. And know, you know, about their careers. And these were my idols and people that I look up to and I still look up to. Uh, but there wasn't a lot, you know, it, to say... You know, when I, when I first got in, uh, got my first on-air job where they were going to pay me money, uh, my my boss didn't like my name. He said it sounded too Hispanic, too Mexican. Too and I said, uh, you know, that's my name. Mm-hmm. And I remember meeting him, and he's listening to my air check. What they do is they listen to your uh, your your show, and they kind of critique it. And he's sitting there, and he's like, I don't know if uh, you're, you're, my, my real name is Javier Soriano. And that's how I would say my name. Yeah. And so he said, uh, it sounds too Hispanic. And I'm like thinking this is my hometown and yeah. 90% of us are Hispanic. So I don't think it's going to offend anybody, but he didn't, he didn't felt like it wasn't a good name. And so my name is Ricardo Valenzuela. No, 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 no. Playboy. <laughs> your, your, your name sure. is Richie Valens, <laughs> bro. That's what sells. So that, that's, that, that that's my Richie Valens moment. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I walk out and I, and I, PG <laughs> X-Men is realizing all those moments today. Where I was like, wait a second. <laughs> right. Right on the evil pocket. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so I had that I had that uh, Richie Valens moment. I, I was upset, and I was like, I don't know if I want to do that because yeah. that's not real me. You know, I, I am who I am, and if you don't like it, well, you know. And so uh, uh, a promotions director had heard saw me upset. He's like, well, just you know what, you keep your name, but change it. <laughs> add, add, add the X Man. It sounds like a superhero. This is like this is like late night eighties. Uh-huh. So it was like before anybody talked about the X Man and all this stuff and. That sounds pretty cool because you'll relate to the, the kids and then you'll re- relate to the adults because you're saying Javier with an X, even though people are going to mistake it as a J uh, and they're going to go, why do they call him the X man? It's Javier with a J. It's a, anyways, it was confusing. You're like, it's all fail. It's yeah. all <laughs> And I said, screw it. I'm going to run with it. It's going to be Javier the X man. And so it, it, it's funny because people uh, will say Xavier the X man. I'm like, no, that's not it. Hit me with the silent yeah, X. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, Frankie J did that once. Uh, shout out to Frankie J. I love Frankie J. But you know, you see the name Javier, or yeah. you see with an X, you you instantly think, you know, Xavier or Xavier. You know, and I'm like, I'm not French. Exteca, uh, you know, exactly. <laughs> and so it, it was it was that moment that I, I'm going to run with it, and that that was my name on till till now. Till now. Till now. Wow. And now you got to San Diego when? I got to San, San Diego in 2000. And that's 2000. All right, nice. Damn. 2000. Two decades, bro. I know. You've been holding it down. You've been the voice of this genre. You've been the voice for the radio for over two decades in San Diego. Dude, I, I, I tried That's bananas. That. It's, it's crazy because, it, like I said, uh, uh, you know, career in radio doesn't get reset on one station, yeah. which is crazy. So it's always right? been 92.5? Yeah, it's always been, been 92.5. Oh, wow, it's wow. always been 92.5. And, uh, yeah, like I said, it just blows my mind. Now it blows my mind. I look look at him like twenty two years. Jesus, where where that time go? And 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 San Diego's been been a blessing. Just good people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I've been lucky to have a you know uh, bosses and owners who believed in 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 my brand yeah. or who I am as a person as a jock. How I connect with people. No one's no one said no. No, don't do that. They just kind of let me do what I had to do. And I no one knows your abilities as much as you do. You know, you have that ability. You know how far you want to go. You know what you're capable of. Yes. And so they just said, run with it. Go do your thing. And, 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 and I've been blessed to have that because a lot of people don't have that opportunity. Right, right. They're kind of like, you know, yeah. calm down. Okay, you can't do it that way. Yeah. No, you can't do it that way. Right. Yeah. And so, um, you know, coming here, I mean, there's so much history. There's so much culture. There's a lot of rasa. Yeah. We're in a border town, which yeah. I think uh, I was telling someone today, there's, there's a, there's a border wall, but it's invisible because as much as this is over there, we're, we're, we're over here as well. It, it's, it, it's interchangeable. Yeah. And so, um, the busiest port of entry in the world, my man. And so, so as, I mean, many, as many as, as, as much as I have listeners over here, I, I have them over there as no well. No doubt. It's, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. But you know, speaking Spanish on my radio show, mm-hmm. Um, you never heard that before. Yeah, that's never. that's like foreign, literally. But right. for some people, it's like, what? Se we dijo algo en español? Oh, shit, he's saying in English now. Right. What the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, no, and I remember so, those moments. And so my, you know, it's. Uh, I think that's why I was able to connect because, like I said, I'm not. You're not. What I hear, what you hear now, is what you hear in person. It's mm-hmm. not. I'm not trying to be something else or pump myself up. That's true. Before we, we even started, we were just shooting the shit. I hear it on the legs, and I was like, damn, that dude he ain't got no regular voice. <laughs> this voice is on the whole time. Yeah, it's on, bro. And it's, it's a great voice, bro. It's a great voice. You have a great voice. <laughs> what 
the family influence, the family backing with your decisions ultimately that led you into radio? You know, my my mom, and my dad, they always supported us, mm-hmm. and it was either they support us or we we get in trouble. Mm. And so, um, whatever we wanted to do, if they could scrape up enough money to, to to make it happen, they would always support us. And my mom's like, "Give it a tr- give it a chance, go to the you know try it, see how it works," you know. And I think that that when you have a, when you have parents that support you that way, and you're you're able to dream. You can't lose. Yeah, you can't lose. But the parents, you have to support your kids, yeah. uh-huh. and what they, even though you think it's going to be crazy, yeah. let them try and let them fail, and, they, and they're going to learn from that failure, yeah. and they're going to grow and become. So my, my mom has always, you know, she's from uh, Morelia, Michoacan, and, and my dad from yeah. the Philippines. So they're both immigrants, you know. All they knew is that they got here, and as a kid uh, with immigrant parents, the the thing that always I've always had in my mind is like, what can I do? To not only make them proud, but to for them to know that the the work, the hard work that they do to come here, and, and that they're doing here is 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 not is not thrown away. Oof, and I think beautiful. that's what uh, you know. A lot of people don't realize that people made sacrifices to be in this uh. country, and you're not taking advantage of that. And I think that's having parents that way, or thinking that way, and then having parents who support you. You know, you're able to to do the things you want to do. I'm gonna give I'm gonna give some people a secret right now, a little behind the curtains. That is our secret weapon, man. Having having parents that legitimately support us through it. Bro, I sold my parents on the idea that I wanted to open a brewery here in Chula Vista and they were all in. You know, they I, I sold them in the sense like, this is what I want to do. This is how we're going to pull it off. I'm going to go back to school. We're going to procure investors. We're going to find the location. We're going to start brewing. We're going to put it all out. Blah, 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 blah. They were in. Having that support and having that unfair advantage that our parents in, encourage that hustle, like we can't lose, bro. If we have support from family, from your inner circle, and you're out here hustling, legitimately doing what you want to do to get to that goal, we can't lose. So when you say we got to encourage our kids to do that, I wholeheartedly agree. Right. Whatever they come at. I was in a punk band growing up. Javier? What like was the name of it? I'm Three-piece three scandal, man. We were a three-piece <laughs> scandal. It was four of us. We couldn't count, but fuck it, we could play. And we were at blue hair. My mom's like, what are you doing? My dad's like, what the fuck? I said, let me let's just do my thing. They've always supported me. They never said, no, mijo, no puede. No, mijo, no, no son de that. No, mijo. They've always been like, okay, mijo, let's go. Okay, and, and I know for a fact that their parents didn't always share that same outlook with them, you know? So we were talking earlier, it's like, I feel like every generation, it, it kind of gets clearer and clearer and clearer what our purpose is to the point where now I have three little boys, I want all three of them to further exceed what I've accomplished, further exceed what my, my parents have made possible for my sister and for myself, and just kind of keep that generational growth, generational wealth, generational knowledge and experience and just keep pushing it, keep pushing it until it's like, boom, now we can't leave. You know, now now we're here to stay. Right. Get me on a rant. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. That was a good one, man. Shit, I need someone to keep that, bro. <laughs> well, that right. ultimate backing, bro. You have the par- the people that brought you in this world that have your back. What does that do, man? That tells you that Ooh. you're going to be unstoppable. He's going to give me more tequila, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, what are we drinking? <laughs> bro, we are drinking Don Julio Reposado. But get this. My favorite drink is Bucanas because I'm a paisa and that's just how it works. <laughs> this is barrel age and Bucana barrels, bro. So we're taking Don, Jay, Tequila, putting them in Bucanas barrels. I'm telling you, it's a party in your mouth. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. But your career doesn't just end in radio, my friend. You have broken that border and taken it onto another level. Many different levels, man. You're a man of many hobbies. You're a man of many hobbies. The one that caught my eye, Cruise for a Cause. Tell me a little bit about that. When it got started, what it's all about, who benefits from these? You know what? Um, gosh, I, it was one of the things that I've always, uh, I always loved lowriders ever since I was a kid. As your kid, you see the lowriders growing up, always wanted one. You can't afford it. You know, you just could check it out. Things are expensive. Heck yeah, they're expensive. Now they're like triple, but you know, always, I've always had a passion for lowriders. So when I was able to afford, and I always told myself like, one day I'm going to be able to buy me a, a car and I can be able to fix it up. And I was able to do that. And I got to do that here in San Diego. And, uh, um, but it was like, um, you know, I love the culture. I mean, I've been deep in it ever since I was a kid making rider bikes, but now I have the opportunity to, to, to make an event that's going to help people. And I was, uh, approached by, uh, National City PD, a friend of mine, Todd, he, he, he has a friend named uh, Officer Marcus. And, uh, he was like, Hey, we, we heard about this little boy. He needed a bone marrow match. Do you mm. think, um, do you think X-Man could, uh, announce it on the radio? And it, it was something that I've always wanted to do. And uh, um, I said, you know what? Let's do something better. Let's let's make a car show. And they're like, what? You, you do that? I'm like, yeah. In fact, you know what? I'll talk to the boss and see if I could 
broadcast live and I'll do a car show and we'll raise money and we'll give it to the, you know, we'll, it was, it was looking, the little boy needed a bone marrow match, desperately needed a bone marrow match and an officer. Had, no easy task. Yeah. Which is no easy task. And so, um, in college, one of my philanthropies in, in, in my fraternity was, uh, getting people of color on the bone marrow registry. Because if you look at the registry, there's a low number of people of color on the registry. And there are kids that desperately need a bone marrow match. And there, if there's people of color that are not in there, then there's no match. Because you, you get it, you get the match from people of your own kind. And so um, that has always been something I've always been involved in. So I was able to combine that story of that little boy, you know, needing a bone marrow match, combining that Latinos still, and people of color still don't donate blood on a regular, like our Caucasian parts, because they donate all the time. There, you know, you know, people that go and donate once a month. Hey man, we're gonna need that shit later. We'll, we'll take it right. easy. What's going on? <laughs> and so it was all this accumulated in this one situation. I said, you know what? Something that I'm like, have an event. Let's 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 try to find this kid a, a match. Let's get people uh, uh, aware of the importance of donating blood and get on the Boma registry. And let's celebrate cars. Let's, mm. let's do this. So it was like a few cars, uh, uh, guys from the Amigos Car Club, and just various, you know, hey, let's do this event. And so, um, you know, luckily it just started from there. And then I just kept on going and more cars started coming. So every year we do that. I, I've, I've, I've been able to uh, help uh, uh, with the money raised from the registration, give to a couple of nonprofits here in San Diego. Because my whole thing is if you raise money, you want to see the money work in the community that you're raising it from. You know, I... I'm not that I'm disregarding anybody's anybody's uh, fundraising events for their any of their any of their organizations, but for me personally, I, I want to see like if my money's if I'm doing any money, I want to see that kid go to uh, space camp. Mm. You know, I want to see that that gal go to go to college. You, want, you know, if I'm doing you know, I want to see her do her achieve her goals, and not just in some pile. You know, and so um, you know, we were able to to, to fund a couple of uh, nonprofits, and then I found um, the Emilio Norris Foundation, which is a nonprofit based here in San Diego. Uh, uh, a husband and wife, a little boy named Emilio, who was dealing with uh, cancer. Unfortunately, uh, he passed away. But while the mom and dad were at the hospital, they would they would run into these kids and families that that were didn't know how to navigate the hospital's system. It's very difficult, uh, especially if you're an immigrant. You don't understand the language. You're you're, you're dealing it's with a foreign language, man. Right. It's a maze sometimes. And then, and then on top of that, dealing with your child who's got this this disease, you know that, and so uh, too much on the table, right? And so they decided to start this organization in honor of their child, Emilio, and um, this this organization picks up the kids from their home that that specifically don't have transportation. That that's where they would run into is these families that would have to take the bus mm. to Children's Hospital for their treatments. And they would run into all these families and they're like, there has to be something like, no, there isn't anything. So they started this little uh, nonprofit w with one van going to each per each kid who had, who desperately needed transportation, pick them up from their home and take them to the hospital. And uh, I was invited to a ride along. And on my first ride along, we came to Chula Vista. They said, have you ever go? We were at the house, go knock on the door. And so I go to the house and like, no, you, the, the house in the back, which was a converted garage. And I knocked on the door and I see this little boy and this girl. And I'm like, oh man, he just got me right there. I could see that he, that this child needed, uh, that was going to treatment. And we were there to pick them up to take them to the hospital. And I'm like, I'm in, mm -hmm. what can I do? And so every year it's, we raise the money for them. And I like to tell people that the money we raise helps to pay for the vehicles, the, the services, uh, you know, the driver, the gas, the tune-ups. All of it. All of it. The whole damn thing. So that's what I try to raise every year. I try to raise as much money as I can. And sometimes it's like, you know, start off with, you know, $2,000, 1500 bucks, $1,000. And it's, it's gone up to like, you know, $20,000, $30,000. And I, and I tell people, don't be frustrated if, it, if, if the amount of money that we donate fluctuates. Because people are giving what they can from their heart. Mm -hmm. And when they participate, like your dad who who put his car in the car show, his money went to the great cause. My dad won, dog. Yeah. yeah he took it. <laughs> my, dad, my dad fucked around putting his 56 Bel-Air won. He's like, hey, Miko, Miko, Miko. You, you tell X-Men that I won. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> and so it just started from there. And, uh, you know, it's always uh, uh, the lowrider community has always supported it. You know, they, 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 they understand the vision and, and it's all comers car show. Um, but most importantly, it's there to help the kids and this, this wonderful foundation that does this every day. And they didn't stop during the pandemic. They were picking up kids during the pandemic and even more so. I was going to say, man, even, that's probably yeah. when that alert was heightened. You had yeah, to do it even more. Exactly. And so, 
that's what the money, that's what, what we raise the money for is, is, is for them. I and, feel you. Cause sometimes you feel like you're donated and you're just a spoke on a wheel. You right. know, it's like you found something, you were the whole fucking vehicle for it. Right. And, and when you see the vehicles drive, when it says a million dollar, you know that Boom. money that you donated, that your dad participated in. And, and that you know, vehicle is putting to use to a noble cause to help kids who otherwise would have a hard time. Getting to their treatment, man. Exactly. Uh, get exactly. on you, bro. And it feels awesome to help yeah, people. Yeah, it, it really, really There's no does. better reward. It really, really does. It's, it's a, oh, like I said, a wonderful organization. And the other organizations that I help, um, great organizations. I always try to see what can, what, 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 uh, you know, what organization that is local that could benefit from, from the fundraising, from getting the information out. And so I'm able to do that. And so, you know, me and ours, Every year they do a great job of helping kids. And there's so many stories of these kids. How many years has this uh, Cruise for a Cause been? So this is the 20th year. In yeah. 20 years. Yes. Pretty much since you got to San Diego, you said, fuck yeah. it, I need to put my flag down here. <laughs> 20 years. Good like for I you. Said. Yeah, it's, it's uh, and, and, and you know, I, I got to thank all Some the Some legacy right there, bro. It, it, it's been a blessing. I, I know this year is like, wow, 20 years. That's crazy. Wow. You came up with this, you know, this, you know, and I, it, it all goes back to community, you know, yeah. having, um, you know, someone who was connected to the PD to say, Hey, you know, Javier, can you do that? Yeah. Heck yeah. Why not? That's, this is, this is what we got to do. We got to help each other, you know? And, yeah. and, uh, you know, there, there's some great people out there that, that are willing to step up and, and make a change. I was telling before we started that it's when somebody comes in and, and I'm trying to like get an angle on what, how we're going to like unwrap Mm. The, the the layers of, of who the X-Men is or who whatever gets sometimes it's you know passion and purpose and da, da, da. but today I was like you know what based on what I've read and what you're about it's culture and community man oh, without a doubt it's man. culture and community with Javier bro he, he's to the core in, in my view so I, I grew up in, in in car culture here in San Diego and so very well connected to you and everything you've done. But what I've always loved is I think you set the model on how to mobilize a subculture, like the lowrider community, right? Mobilize them and give them a cause and give them a purpose, give them something to be a part of. I mean, you've done that to a T. And to me, that's the model. Even what we try to do with, with, with our community-based foundation is just giving um, a focus for, for our members to express their love and their, and, and their generosity, man. So I, I think you said, I mean, you've said it best, Justin, when we first met you, you had your, your project that you were working on called hood heroes. People look at the low rider culture. It's not always in the most positive right. of lights that the it's cast upon them, right. giving somebody in that, in, in that culture, an opportunity to thrive and shine, mm. bro. Everybody has it in them. There's just, sometimes the opportunity is not there. Sometimes it's just, it's just not available on the top tier level. Right. You got to keep dating and, 20 years later, look yeah. at you. I know. Getting it done, dog. Hey, cabron. <laughs> yes, you have a 61 convertible, right? Yeah, I got, a, I got a 61 Impala. Had a 63 when I started out, and then 61, and I have a 51. And I, Is that the game? You procure them, you, you build them, you sell them, you get the <laughs> you, next one? You know, I, I went to college with a guy who's from the Bay Area, you know, one of those uh, tech guys. Mm. Extremely deep, wealthy. Deep like, pockets. Yeah, he saw my car. He saw me build my, my 63, and then... You know, I'm cruising around, and he's. <laughs> when you're done, I'll take that. Yeah, that's what he did. <laughs> For sure, he did. He was like, "Oh, sure. I want your car." I'm like, uh, "No, you can't have it." He's like, "No, man." I go, "This is my. This is what I dreamed of. This is a childhood dream." Uh, he's like, "Yeah, yeah. Here's a little dream yeah, number yeah, yeah. on your on a paper for you. Here you go. Open it up. Tell me what you think." Hey. I know, I, and I'm like, "Oh, shh. Okay." Uh, with my dream. <laughs> uh, Sean, the car is going to be shipped tomorrow. Hell yeah! Uh, but it, you know, and and uh, you know, you just dream and. I mean, I, I I build it for myself. I mean, anything about when when you're a lowrider, um, you know, this is it's 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 a lifestyle, it's a culture. This is what is in my heart. Whatever I put on my car is is coming from my soul. You know what you see. I have like my '61 has Salinas, California on it, and everyone scratches their head because you know because it's Southern California. Like yeah. Salinas, what the hell is Salinas? Why is the X Men got Salinas, California? But it's a it, it's it's where I'm the, from. Yeah, it's 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 uh it's uh, uh a tribute to my to my roots. And to my dad, thinking 1961, what was my dad doing? He was in the army at Fort Ord. You know, if he could afford it, he would have probably bought this 61 Impala. And it would've, he would have bought it at the Chevy dealer. Mm -hmm. And so I built this, this, this car in honor of my dad. Hell yeah. And how, and how he, if he, if he had the, if he had the money and the means to do, you know, to, to, to buy a new car, he would have bought this, this car. This is the car he would have been riding right, in. Yeah. And so I, I built that in that energy, um, you know, and, and. So people look at it and like, why, why is there Salinas? Why does it say four door? And I'm like, because this this was my dad's. This would be my dad's car, you know. That's what I. That's what. That's how I built the car. That's uh, the dream car. That yeah. that's a, the the holy grail of cars for you. Yeah. Qué bueno, brother. So. Felicidades, bro. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. it's it's 
it's uh, been a blessing, like I said. But the story doesn't stop there because you are an entrepreneur. You're a man of many hats. I don't know when you sleep. <laughs> you fucked around and created a beer company. Yeah. Exactly. Tell us a little bit about Azteca. Man, you know what? I got some great friends, uh, Mario Lopez and Fred Sotelo. El Fred. Man, they're they're uh, entrepreneurs in them, themselves, you know, and they're just great guys. And so we've been I've been friends with them since I moved here. Oh, nice. To San Diego. And so- uh, Fred's um, a good dude. Fred's a good dude. And so it's, it's, you know, when you get like-minded people, you kind of have on the same level and, and, and uh, we were able to uh, come up with this, the, with this beer because we really wanted something that we could call our own. Like I'm a beer drinker. Um, and, and sometimes you want to just go, wow, you know, um, this is something from our community, from our people, from our gente, you know, you could get the beer in Mexico and you get it imported, you get some local beers as well. But sometimes you want to have something that you could come and appreciate like, wow, this guy, you know, kind of like you're kind of like, so kind of like your 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 company, yeah, and uh, uh, your your brewery. It's something that you invented, and it's like, man, yeah, let's go support him. And so I think that there needed to be more of that, especially in the beer space, because there's so many great beers out there, but none of, none of them look like us, right, right. <laughs> and, the, and, and at the same time, and we go and we 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 patronize their their, you know, we drink the beer, yeah. And so, um, you know, to see that we wanted to become that, but you know, you could just say it, but if you don't do it, then you're not doing anything. Mm -hmm. You're not contributing. So we just said, you know, si se puede, let's do it. Let's, hey, you let's got a group of heavy hitters in, in Nexteca, though, bro. Fred, well-connected, business-minded, very on the ball. Um, from what I know of your buddy Mario, I know he's he, he's a, a graphic design. Yeah, he's a really good graphic designer. You marketing, you, you already got your brand, you know, PPD's nice. It's already flawless. So you put all those things together. This should be easy. Easy peasy, man. I wish it was, but it you know, is. It's, it is. You know, tell me, did you survive the pandemic with yeah, your company? Did. That, yeah, I, that, that right there, my friend, is all is already a victory. You know, and I, I look at the I, and the thing about San Diego is they got a good, just probably just good, excellent beer community. Mm -hmm. Like everyone wants to help each other out. Everyone is is willing to. I mean, there's of course competition. There's always competition, but for the most part, everyone has seen us the newbies you know on the black like, what do these guys know you know they didn't know we were we were we were testing stuff out of a garage when did it you start when, when when did you plant God, the seed of uh, gosh was it three four years five four years ago was all it? right yeah, all something right. like that so we you know uh fred's got a nephew carlos who, who brews and so we just kind of we're just trying to put something together you know and uh um my whole thing is about when you drink beer for me personally, I want to be able to drink and eat at the same time and keep going. Sometimes a lot of the beer makes you full. Oh yeah, and I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I, I want this uh, <laughs> imperial stout, you know, with raisin flavors and coffee grounds. You drink like three sips of it, you're like, fuck, I'm done. I'm right. over this. <laughs> right, and so we just wanted to, uh, you know, just you know, lager is what everyone in in my family and mm -hmm. Fred's family, Marlo's family, that's what they drink. That's that's what we know. We kind of just want to stay in our lane and just make excellent lagers and not really try to you know but at the same time latinos have a hard time of understanding the craft concept of a beer so i like to tell people that we're kind of like the gate we've we've been able to to convince people that there's better beer than what you're buying you know you know but, but a handfuls at at at, at so-and-so store that there's more to, to the beer market than than what you're drinking and you need to discover new beers and there's other types of there's hoppy and you know there's ip i mean that's a tough so sell much. that's a difficult sell it, in it our is, community it, it is a difficult sell but i think if you continue to push it like like i'd say we're like our 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 uh, uh branding is kind of a gateway because people are like what the hell is this i could i could buy this other beer for this let me try it and they're like oh shoot mm. And then, oh, let me try another beer. And then they start expanding the palette. Yeah, they start to start trying their other. Like I said, San Diego's got a great community of people who are like willing to to help us out. White Labs helped us out. Novo Brazil helped us out. They were one of the first big breweries that say, "Yeah, we'll help you. We'll help you contract brew for you. Yeah. Get it all set up." You know, and then and then uh, we learned we learned uh, about all this business along the way. Like you had a, you took some classes. You were able to yeah. understand the concept. We were like. Let's just do it ourselves. Let's yeah, see what right. we can do. And, and Mexican mentality, get right. it done. And so, uh, you know, we, we've been lucky to meet uh, meet Peter and his crew over there. And they're just, Smith. they've been able to help us along the way as well. I mean, we are we're extremely thankful for everyone who has, has contributed and and uh, in the brand and making of the beer. I mean, it just wasn't us three. There's people that are out there that are rooting for us, that are helping us uh, move forward. And so we've been able to do that. I think the hustle is is having the beer out there in distribution because you get a lot, there's a lot of beers out there. There's a lot of great yeah. beers and the competition is, is, is extremely steep. And it's one of those things where you, you take your foot off the pedal. Ooh. 
three other breweries have right. already just cut you off and like, oh, well, we'll sell you. They're not ready to give you more beer. We'll get you more beer. Right. It's a crazy game. It is. It's a hustle. It's a hustle, but I mean, you're obviously doing it well. Where can we find your beer? You can find it uh, like Sprouts. You can find it at the Barron's Markets, one of the big markets here in San Diego that County that has has Walmart, few WalMarts, um, a lot of mom and pop, a lot of uh, the the small liquor stores. They've been able to to give us a chance because all we ask is for a chance. And then they see the beer moving, like, oh, okay, we got something. We'll keep ordering. Um, Little Italy, Barbusa. Does about four four big kegs a weekend. It's the crazy. Italians. Yes, they, they love it. And like I said, we we made Don the, Fanucci. We wanted to make the beer. You know, uh, you know, you could compliment anything you eat, you're eating. You know, for me it was a it was a taco. We want to keep eating and drinking at the same time. And the Italians, they love they love the beer with the food. Huh. And uh, they, they pair it well, and, and it does really well. It goes great with the food. Nothing goes better than with a taco and then a nice fucking beer, bro. A nice coldie, <laughs> you know? Jeez. Congratulations on that. That, yeah. is, that is a tough, uh, it, it is a tough industry to crack when you don't look like, every, like 98% of the people that are operating in this industry. I speak from experience. So there's, a, there's only a few of us in this industry, you know, that don't fit that mold. But I feel like. Knowing the people behind, I, I know Fred, you know, and now I know you. I feel like, yeah, we should definitely link up, move forward, and and, and take take this whole industry by storm, man. They'll, they'll never know what hit them. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, you know what's funny is that they, they, you have to really kind of look at the the, the customer base of, of a beer. Mm. And there's a lot of Latinos that drink beer. Yeah. I mean, that's just that's just the truth out there. Not according to some breweries <laughs> that we're trying to talk us out of opening. Mexicans don't drink craft beer, Justin. Filipinos don't either. Black people don't either. And we're like, man, are you from Chula Vista? <laughs> no, I'm from Escondido. Yeah. I'm from La Costa. I was like, my friend, yeah. you let us open a brewery in Chula Vista and I'll tell you who drinks down here. Yeah. It's, uh, but for me, I'm, I'm not an asshole like that. Tell me I can't do it. I'm going to show you 10 times the, re the reason that I can do it. You always tell people, we, and I tell, I tell the guys, I said, man, we, we, we don't need to have someone validate us. Mm. We well, my know. mom and dad. I need that. I'm a Mexican. I, they, they need to fucking. But they not, and they they, they got to give me that approval, or else it's all for not. But we know what we know, right? Mm -hmm. You know what you know. You're able to come with that knowledge and say, uh, no, there. You you know, you're you're looking at the market wrong. You know, you could tell that guy from asking, you're looking at the market wrong. Mm -hmm. You're not in the trenches. You're not in the neighborhoods. You're not in the. You know, so you see that, and so. But it's at the same time, a lot of people who are who are trying to start a business, they always look for validation. It's like mm -hmm. you're you're good enough, man. You know what you have is is good enough. You just have to go for. It. You have to try it and take a chance. I mean, you're taking, we're all taking the chances on on, on when it, especially when it comes to business. You can't live your life by a spreadsheet. Sometimes you got to actually look at the street and see what's going on. What right. are people gravitating to? What are people actually doing? And that's a template that you can apply to pretty much anything. You know, what whatever hobby, what whatever venture, whatever entrepreneurial project you're working on, anything, man. I mean. Hustle and, and just understanding what it is you're getting your hands on and what you're putting out there. And you've I've just listed off, I've just routed off three projects that you're heavily involved with. Your radio career, your communal work, beer. What else is there, man? What else do you do? You're a man of hobbies. <laughs> Lowriders. I'm sure you're a DJ. You collect records. I collect records. I'm sure you DJ. have a, yeah, I'm, I'm sure you have a, <laughs> a, 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 a freaking room just filled to the trenches of all crates and, and records I, in there. I do. How man, many records crazy. you got, man? Man, thousands. 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 And you know, I've been Wait, what do you play these records on? I got, I got, so my, my turntables. Uh-huh. So when I got to college, when I went to college, my freshman year at San Jose State, you get these checks, right? Because you're like, uh, you're a poor kid in town. We're gonna we're gonna help pay for your college. I, I took a loan out, and uh, I used that m part of that money into buying my turntable, my first turntables, yes. and a mixer. Hell yeah! And I took it to my dorm room, and I I remember my 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 dorm mates are like, I would all play hip hop, run DMC, just anything in that that whole late in eighties and and De La Soul, and yeah. and they were like, that's garbage. Oof. No, what is that music? It's rap. Oh, I don't like that music. And I would say one day. Your kids are gonna love this music. Uh, and I, I recently saw a friend about ten years ago. He's like, dude, remember you used to used to play your rap music, and you'd say, my kids are gonna love. My kids love <laughs> hip hop now. Yeah. But um, so I used that money from from uh, uh, from my loan, and I bought my turntables. And I learned how to how to how to mix. And uh, play music. Little and did you know. A DJ. Yeah, little did you know. That so I, was I, would do, <laughs> I would do all the college parties, all the fraternity parties, all the yeah, sorority parties, yeah. all the functions with the with the university, and and I was able to pay that money back. Um, you know, I, because I started getting gigs, I started getting gigs, and paid that paid that loan back, paid everything back, 
And but I took a gamble, as 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 you say, you got to take a gamble on yourself. Bet on yourself, <clears throat> always, and see where you're going to go. And so I, you know, not knowing just the, I just wanted turntables and a mixer, and I wanted to learn how to be a DJ. And and that's how that was my gateway. I took that loan out that my mom and my dad were probably didn't know that I did. Mijo, ¿qué haces? <laughs> yeah. How are you going to pay for the tuition? And so <laughs> I, I paid it all back, and uh, you know, and and hustled at school and was able to 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 learn. Tell me you still have that equipment. I still have uh, yeah. turntables. I, I and I and it's I always tell my wife it's really hard for me to get rid of because I'd work so hard for it. You know, if 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 my dad gave it to me or my mom, hey, here you go. It's symbolic, man. Yeah. And so I'm I'm like, I still have those turntables and I, I cherish those things. They probably need a tune up. Um, but I, I still use them and I, when I when I when I want to mix at home, I did buy I bid I did buy new gear because I kept on getting people wanting me to do gigs, but I was like I'm not going to carry all those records, <laughs> and so I I bought the, a new controller and I learn I'm learning how to use it and um, technology is crazy though man yeah. I, I I love technology and I'm not I'm not a record snob or a DJ snob I'm like oh you don't use that. I'm an old man, so carrying records versus carrying a laptop. I'm gonna do the laptop, you know. And so, um, but I get asked to do gigs all the time, and I and and I'm like, okay, I'm tired of turning these down. They're they're really good gigs, and so I put my price out there, and I'm thinking no one's gonna afford that or pay that. That's an interesting uh, comment you made as it relates to technology and and in the radio industry. Where is it now as it was back when you first started in the mid '80s? You know what what is the radio world now? The radio world right now is, 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 I would say is it's so we have so many technology has brought in opportunities for anybody to be heard. There's, there's a opportunity for people to stream anything nowadays. Um, radio has always been free. It's always been there, but people want to hear their own things. There's streaming services. Um, radio is a part of that entertainment um, um, platform. To me, I tell people just people have more opportunity to not listen to you. So when you're on your radio show and doing something, do your best because you want to, you want to be different from the streaming services. Like, you know, everyone like I have a Spotify list and I listen to my oldies. Like, but your Spotify will never tell your Theo happy birthday or your grandma celebrating 60 years together. Mm -hmm. So I try to tell people that's, that's the local love connection that I, that I have to compete with every day. Right. And so, um, but it's on the spectrum of entertainment. I mean, we play music. Everyone else plays music. People got uh, podcasts to listen to. I just tell people, you just have to be on your game because um, there's there's more opportunity for them to leave you and go elsewhere and connect elsewhere. So um, I never try to uh, um, uh, connect. I never try to make up a connection that I that I can't back up. Like I'm not going to tell you, oh, I I I I'm into yachts. I'm into surfing because you know, even though my son surfs, but I don't know anything about it. You know, I'm into low writing, I'm into music, I'm into records, I'm in the community, I'm in the, uh, you know, my Filipino community, the Chicano community, you know, I'm, you know. You're not faking the funk. I'm not faking the funk. That's how know? longevity comes into play in a career that you've, you've produced, man. I mean, you can't fake the funk. Our people, you know, Chicanos, Mexican, Americans, whatever you want to be referred to as, we can see through all the bullshit. We can see when somebody's coming into town and not necessarily has the best intentions in mind. You know, so you, you've never faked the funk. You are honorary Theo. You're everyone's Theo. Yes. Every Sunday, and from when you had the Sunday shows and everything, we listen, it's like, oh, I stopped Pichy Theo X-Men. You know, <laughs> Theo, Theo Javier the X-Men is on there. So it's like, you can't turn your back on that and ditch it and stream something. Anybody can play the music that you play, but nobody plays it the way you play it. Right. And I feel like that's what's going to keep people coming back and always, you know, building that relationship and and in turn giving you the longevity. It's really hard, especially when I first came to San Diego. I went. I remember going to the Chicano Park Steering Committee. Man, I was like, man, I'm like, uh, my name is Javier, and I want to, you know, offer my services. Like, who the hell is this guy? They gave me that look. Like, who is this guy? What do you want? Yeah, what does he want? What's yeah. his motive? Yeah. And, and and my intentions were just to try to promote and help them out, whatever they're doing in fundraising. And it took years mm -hmm. until they said, "Okay, this guy is 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 truthful." And I understand the why the way they gu guarded themselves the way they did because there's a lot of people that fake the funk and they yeah. wanna they want a, a profit or it's a cash or grab to some yeah. people. Yeah, and, and it's so quick, easy money. Right, right. And so you know, and, and um, but it had to show me. It, it had to tell me that these people are legit. They believe in their cause. They love their park and they don't want anything happening to it. So yeah. I, I have respect for that. Yeah. And so, um, um, but you know, it's hard to find people like that the, nowadays because everyone wants to just do their thing, you know? Yeah. 
and uh, they were they were they were about their cause, about their park, and I just wanted to help them. And years later, I was able to 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 be a part of them and and help in any way that I could. Um, one of the most biggest compliment was Chunky was uh, uh, you know Chunky from uh, Los Alacranes. Um, he wasn't feeling good one one Chicano Park day, and they said, "Hey, why don't you have over the X Men be the host of this year?" And that never happened because he's always done it. And to me, that was just like the honor. Like I got For asked sure. from the Chicago Park Steering Committee to help um, facilitate their 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 main stage, and I was like totally honored. I mean, what to you me, want to do from day one, right, right, know? right. And so it was just uh, awesome to be able to contribute. Um, I have a lot of respect for those people and, and for what they've done in our community. Um, you know, so to be asked was like that to me. It was like, wow, man, these people they're giving me opportunity to help out. I love it though, man. I mean. I view you as a as a throwback personality, you know, old school blue collar, carry yourself with respect, uh, authentic. Like you have all these elements and these characteristics that that I admire and, and I know others really, really admire and feel connected to you. You know, when we hear your voice on the radio, we feel connected. And the other thing too with San Diego, man, San Diego has now become this kind of mixture between locals. And those that are just moved here, right? transplants, transplants. for we sure, have a lot of transplants. And to me, though, you are, you know, Salinas, you are San Diego, man. And I think you represent San Diego very, very well. And you blend multiple subcultures together all the time. And that's a magic that not many, many people have, man. So, you know, hats off to you, brother. You're doing it right. Oh, thank you. I, and I, and I, it has to come down to the people, right? If they're not willing to accept you for who you are. Um, you know, they'll, they won't let you in, but man, people, like I said, San Diego, there's some great people here, great community. Um, nothing but love, nothing but respect, you know, hardworking people. And, um, you know, I've been able to connect with those people and, and, and man, I appreciate each and every one of them, all my listeners, you know, they've given me an opportunity to, to live here, to raise my family here. Um, been able, been able to have the opportunity to connect with them daily on my radio show. That's so awesome, man. To me, it's like, uh, um, I'm, I'm grateful. I'm grateful yeah. every, every day I wake up in the city. Well, I'm grateful that you were able to give us a few minutes of your time today to kind of, you know, enlighten us. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you know what? A lot of people that, that listen to this podcast, man, they know who they grew up with you. Yeah. I'm not the only one. Yeah. I fucked around and found out that I'm not the only one who likes certain things. It's like, there's a lot of people like me that like all of these things. Thank you for coming in, man. It means a lot to us and, and everybody a part of Emo Brown to have somebody like you who's doing what we are aspiring to do yeah. come down here and just kind of like drop some knowledge on us. And I'm not going to lie, man. You kept it real. You are a good dude. Well, thank you, man. El Rey del Sun. I, I just want to know if I could go on a, a ride with you guys on my Let's 29. Let's go, man. Let's go. Oh, Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? June 12th, we're going to go to Fall Brewing. We're going to leave the brewery here, and we're going to go all the way to North Park. We're going to have some uh, Nomad Donuts and Bagels. The food truck's going to be out there. We're going to have some pints at Fall Brewing. Have a good time. That offer is there for you, man, in two weeks. All right, two weeks. Ladies I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. All right, man. Javier the X-Man.